the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Planted with Sarah Pine. I'm Sarah Pine, your host, and today we are at MJ Unpacked in New York, and I am talking with Matt Hawkins, who is the founder and managing partner of Entourage Effect Capital, one of the largest and longest tenured cannabis investment firms. Considered one of the go-to industry insiders for insights since 2014, he can weigh on the latest financial and regulatory developments, what it means for business, investors, and the public. Matt, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here and, and really learn about your experiences so our listeners can learn some more as well. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, are you speaking this week? I spoke at an event uh, at, the, at the Trailblazers Conference on uh, Monday and Tuesday, but just a participant here this week. Trailblazers was a great event, too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, very cool. So where are you based out of? So I live in Dallas, but our team... Everybody's in Fort Lauderdale, where our whole, my partners and my our whole team sits. So I'm there a lot. Okay. And what got you into cannabis in general? So I've been in private equity my whole career. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2013 or 14, I had an exit on um, the big project I was working on at that time, which was a multifamily acquisition platform. Um, we sold that and. One of the things I had done in the in the Great uh, Recession was private lending, and so I, I kind of went back to that to see what the deal flow was like. Um, and a lot of the loans I was seeing were from warehouse owners in Denver who were looking to refinance their mortgages out of commercial debt into private debt uh, in order for them to be able to lease their facilities to cannabis growers. Obviously, Colorado went legal in 12, uh, so it was very early stages for that. And as a result, we started seeing crazy number of deals. We actually closed on a loan, but I called it my luck and timing moment. I mean, actually, ask me on a particular day, I may say it's bad luck and bad timing, but <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, it's been, it's been great. And so what we did was we pivoted from lending to making actual equity investments into the cannabis companies themselves. And so... You know, back in 14 and 15, which is the 15, 14 through 16 was the vintage of our first fund. Um, trying to raise money up for a legalized cannabis fund back then was harder than hell. And especially in Dallas, Texas. Oh, for sure. So yeah. I had to go places all over to try to find capital. And we put, you know, a fair amount together. And that's been a huge success. It was uh, over a, be over a 3X when it's all said and done. And Fund two was much, much larger, and we were investing at the top of the market. And so we've had to roll up our sleeves to to, to make that work, but I think we're going to be just fine. And um, our third fund, we just closed. And so we've been kind of investing in a better time for an investor. It's not a great time for the industry, but from a valuation standpoint, we've had some uh, some really interesting opportunities that we've capitalized on. That's really interesting. Um I was actually wondering because I I got into the industry in 2012. Okay. And one of the things that I was thinking about reflecting on the Great Recession was when we look at different markets that tend to be recession proof. Like for example, alcohol during yep. times, you know, it it usually isn't affected and mm-hmm. I really thought that we would be seeing something and I do not like comparing cannabis to alcohol That's, of course. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, but I, at that time, when I when I got into it, I assumed that it would behave very much like that. What are your thoughts about that? What are you seeing? Well, I, I think that we really haven't seen a 
a recession during legalized times mm-hmm. in the United States. And so, I mean, arguably, you know, 12 and 13 were, you know, still formation periods. We were coming out of the Great Recession, but mm-hmm. 14 on has been boom times. Right. And so I, I think most likely cannabis will share some attributes. I mean, look what happened during the pandemic early stages. I mean, cannabis was deemed an essential business and sales were off the off the charts. So my, my suspicion is that it won't be quite that like that, but there'll still be people saying, you know, I either need my medicine or I need my, you know, my psychedelic fix, so to speak. And so uh, psychoactive fix, excuse me, not psychedelic. <laughs> <laughs> we don't invest in psychedelics yet, so I better be careful what I say. Uh, but, but we don't know yet. But interestingly, be, whether it's recession-proof or not, the industry, it's the first time we've dealt with macro issues, you know, while we're dealing with a whole host of other issues, regulatorily, uh, operationally, I mean, you name it, we are, um, you know, obviously, you know, federal legalization, the illicit market, uh, Section 280E, the lack of capital that's in the space right now, combine that with macroeconomic pressure, and we got we got a host of problems here. Yeah, it's from from like an org psych standpoint, it's storming, norming, and reforming. We're like, yeah. it's kind of a soup out there, and we'll see what happens with yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. And when you're looking at investing, I know one thing, when I go into, well, whenever I talk to somebody about working in cannabis, not as much now, but not too long ago, people were like, where should I invest? And one of the things that I've always said to people is, the one thing you must understand if you're going to invest in cannabis is that it's more of a long game. Right. And, and what are your thoughts around that? I totally agree. I mean, and that's what we tell our investors. I mean, luckily, a private equity fund, you know, by definition is a, you know, five to 10 year, you know, lockup. And so your your investors, you know, understand that this is money that is going to be used to, you know, to grow businesses. And then when there's an opportunity for exit, hopefully we can take advantage of that. We've proven that we can with our results in fund one. Um, we got to do the same in two and three. Uh, but you're right. It's it, you, this is not a get rich quick deal like some people thought it might be. In fact, it's quite the contrary. I think some people were likening it to the tech boom in many Without ways. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Which you know was an amazing time, but they also didn't have a lot of the regulatory issues that we're still kind of muddling through, which is caused. That's right. Issues. That's where the similarities stop because we have, yeah. you know, it's if you told me when I got into this, that I would have to be dealing with this, this, you know, this far into the game, I don't know what I would have done. I'm not sure I would have taken the plunge because, you know, and whether it was naivete or wishful thinking or whatever, I thought we would have had some type of movement by now. And by the way, anybody in cannabis, if they tell you that they expected to be this long, watch out they're, they'll lie to you about something else so <laughs> yeah truth true yeah and so i think that it's the, the level of frustration that exists across the board is uh, is real but we got to stop bitching about it we got to coalesce and come together and recognize that a couple of these things are things we can fix ourselves right and the main one is using all of our strength to shut down the illicit market and we need the help from you know, operators to voice their opinions to their, you know, their political leaders. Uh, this city is a perfect example. 
I mean, the fact that you can go into a you know a head shop and just buy gummies and buy THC, you know, in the middle of Midtown is disgusting. There's there there are licensed operators that have yet to go into business and have put into millions of dollars of their own money that are now behind the eight ball with these thousands or so shops that are set up that you have to compete with. Yeah. It's ridiculous and it's against the law, but yet the state and the city won't do anything about it. So help me understand that. I, I I don't, and and look, I'm all for the, the sins of the past, so to speak with, with people being incarcerated for the wrong reasons, especially for, you know, when, with the nonsense that was the war on drugs. And I mean, I think we all agree with that. Oh, absolutely. But this is a different time. This is not the legacy market. This is illicit market 2.0. And 2.0 needs to be thrown in jail for tax evasion. So anyway, you can tell I get a little worked up over this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. You always have to pay the tax, man. I mean, mm-hmm. Al Capone can tell you that. That's right. And that's why that's where he went to jail. You know, they didn't get him on anything else but tax evasion. Yeah. So anyway, it's just something has to be done other than slapping a $250 fine on somebody and like and laughing and selling, you know, enough gummies to cover that that uh that penalty, you know, the next hour. No, it's true. I mean, that that's a lot of what we're seeing in California too. I'm I'm actually on the the state advisory committee for policy and when we talk about, you know, the illicit market or you know, people who are in the equity program having a hard time starting up or people who are just having a hard time with their businesses as they exist. You know, part of it is that there isn't the there isn't an ease of entry. And really, we could do that and have competition. That's very healthy. But also the taxation issues. Because it's huge. I mean, it's look, we, we're, I'm chairman of the board of state house holdings in California. So we know it cold. Oh, yeah. And do. and so it's just as frustrating out there as it is here. Just we've been dealing with it longer out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with the state now is that you do have smaller operators going out of business. There, there could be some tamping down the illicit market, which is why flower prices have, have risen in California. Mm-hmm. But because of the way the state set up their regulatory framework, What's happening now is exactly what they didn't want to happen, which is a small mom and pop operators not being able to survive. Right. And it's going to be a land full of big boys. And state houses is one of those. And so we're just trying to survive while everybody else dies. And who wants to run a business that way? No, nobody does. Well, and then you had Cureleaf leaving the state, too. That's right. And that was, hell, that was a while back, too. It was. It was. And I think, too, like, you know, with the state being disappointed that they weren't getting the tax revenue, if taxation was lower. Yes, that's a very good point, is that this is the first year that tax revenue has been down. Mm -hmm. And so the state's going to scratch their head and say, wait, what happened? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what happened is that because of what your regulatory framework is, that's why you don't have enough money coming in that you thought. If you would work with us and help eradicate the illicit market, guess what? There will be that, every every percentage that you eradicate the illicit market, those, those people go to the legalized front. And guess what? That's more tax revenue for the state. It's true. It's and, true. But these idiots in Sacramento don't realize that. Yeah, they, they don't realize that lowering the taxes would create more, people wouldn't be going to the illicit market. That's right. Just plain and simple. It's, I mean, this is, this is 100% cost driven. 
for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Now, I think there are other there's safety issues that are that are continually coming into play. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the vape crisis; it was proven to be 100% driven by the illicit market with mm-hmm. the uh, you know the cheap soldering agents, the, the the manufacturing from you know the the product from uh, from China. It was and and I mean people died. Right. And so that was a boon to to the legalized market. We actually saw a spike. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens next? I mean, I would hate to see. I mean, I don't think anybody is looking to do this on the legal on the illicit market. But what happens if fentanyl gets into you know a a trafficked item like that. Right. I mean, right. what are you going to what's the state going to do then? Yeah. So, I don't want it to get to that point. Yeah, it it shouldn't it shouldn't be um it's like a last year I had Michael Steele on the podcast and we were talking about the Tylenol moment. Yeah. And that's that's yeah, what well, we would be looking at. Who wants to wait for that? Yeah. So, it's just I was just talking to somebody else about this. I mean, Cannabis is a just the, the legalization of it, it you know, as, in a, as a microcosm is 100 percent common sense. And the fact that there is so little common sense in politics today, you can just our industry is a perfect example of that. <laughs> CBS poll just came out that 65 percent of Americans want this to be legal. How can you not listen to that? Right. So, you know, and, and maybe Biden's announcement, you know, that he's going to keep this in his back pocket. And if he's and and. I mean, my God, his approval rating so low, he's going to need some type of, of, of juice, no matter who he's running against, to get some support. Well, maybe he dangles the, at the you know, back closer to the to the uh, to November of saying, uh, OK, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and, and deschedule this. Right. Well, that well, was that's some voters right there. It is. It is. And that is it's a it's a chance that a lot of candidates don't want to take. Like when. When Hillary Clinton was running for president, uh, a good friend of mine had spoken with her and said, you know, you should really use legalization for Mm -hmm. part of your campaign. It would make a huge difference. And she decided not to do that. And I think that was incredibly impactful to her campaign. And it wasn't even and the support back then wasn't as robust as it is now. Correct. Correct. But when we are looking at policy, it is amazing how common sense gets thrown out the window. Um, When I was on the San Francisco Cannabis Oversight Committee, the controller's office did a report. And and I think you're going to laugh at this because you have the business head. But they said that the price per gram of cannabis went up due to competition. It's insanity. (laughs) I was like, when has that ever happened? Yeah, it it doesn't. And it's... (laughs) Yeah, on one hand, it's true. The competition of the illicit market drove the pricing up. I mean, that's what happened. Yeah, well, and the price... Can you give me a meeting with that person? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if they're still there. I'll have to check and see. Actually, just better than that, just give me a meeting with Gavin Newsom. That would be even better. Oh, he he needs to get on this. He needs to get on this. Yeah, it's. I mean, just the fact that doing business is so incredibly expensive of course in california and other areas it's it's and and, you know that that's a whole nother conversation about just doing business in california is tricky yeah Uh, well in both here and there the real estate even just alone will kill you yeah that's right that's right so what are some things that you're excited about oh gosh um I mean, i am excited about what's going to happen going forward i mean there is something that's that that that's you know, they, we just got an announcement uh, last night or this morning about, you know, a new safe banking act that has bipartisan and both House and Senate support. So 
I'm done with the prognostication business, but that's encouraging. At least people are, are still talking about it. I think that's that that is makes me feel happy about that. Um, I know that there are several initiatives in the industry to go after the constitutionality of 280E, thinking it should be a state's rights issue. Um, and we're supportive of that, and we're going to be helpful with that. Um, I do think that in the not-too-distant future, there will be an influx of capital that will come in. and uh, But we're just but we're in that wait-and-see mode right now. And so I'm an impatient person by nature, so that's tricky. Uh, but, you know, this is a moment also for us, especially on the investment front, to kind of take a step back and just kind of see what's going on in the entire landscape. There's some exciting states that have come online. I mean, look, we're, we're investors in Curio Wellness in Maryland. Well, Maryland just went wreck, and their their business is booming. Um, we just sold our uh, Missouri operator um, right after they went uh, wreck. And those two states are are, are, are big, big opportunities. Um, yeah, they've been waiting a long time. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I do think that you know, while New York is very disappointing, the rest of, you know, the Eastern Seaboard being almost completely legal is a big deal. Um, there's movement in the Southeast even now. Mm-hmm. So um, that that part of me, the whole, the, the legalization wave continues to excite me. Um, I like the fact that I've been able to just for my, you know, tenure in the space each year, I feel like there's even more and more talent, ma- talented management coming in at senior levels at some of the, the larger companies. Um, that's nice to see. Um, well, what do you think as far as, because we're seeing a lot of people with great skill sets coming from other industries, mm-hmm. but I also think it's really important that they, I, I you know, the, the wise leader chooses good people to surround him yep. or her. And I, I really believe that some companies are making the mistake of not valuing people who have the cannabis chops too, though. And I think that that's a that's a a blind spot. I I think I agree on one hand and disagree on the other. On one hand, especially on the cultivation side, I mean, this is a fickle plant. Yes. And um, and you need experience with you know more than one crop to know know what you know, what could and couldn't happen. Uh, with respect to the business side, mm-hmm. I, I'll use California as an example. I mean, m- so much of the business today is dealing with the supply chain right. and dealing with, you know, managing your cash flow because we don't have working lines of credit. We don't have access to, to cheap bank debt. So being able to manage your, your you know, receivables and your payables and, and all that. And so... You know, that's that a lot of that is, you know, if, if you come from a, a big CPG background as a as a CFO mm-hmm. or even a CEO for that matter, I mean, you're going to be able to come in and understand that, get your arms around it and understand how that cycle works. So I think a healthy sprinkling in of both. Yeah, I agree. But but, but primarily uh, on the on the cultivation side, I feel like on the, you know, on the historical aspect. Mm-hmm. I also think, though, on the outreach and marketing side, because it is so nuanced. That's a fair point. And I think, uh, you know, bud tenders, for example, and then, you know, the sales, the the front say the front facing salespeople that need to interact with the bud tenders. I mean, you can't just come from selling, you know, software to coming into 
cannabis. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, it's true. And, I, you know, and I've actually, um, when I used to head up education for a large dispensary group, one of the things I had was people coming to work in the stores that were interested in cannabis but didn't necessarily consume. Mm-hmm. And that actually was all right because it's, it was about the engagement and being able to talk to people and learn from the experiences when the consumers are coming in along with good training, to have that nuanced approach to be able to capture the consumer's imagination and make recommendations for things that would work well for them. I don't necessarily think that a person has to consume to be involved. Right. They just have to be engaged. That's fair. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's, uh, I mean, look, I'll use an example of education is a good thing um, to touch on here. My, uh, you know, I, I didn't tell my parents that I was in the space for a couple of years because I just didn't know what they would think. They're both, you know, God-fearing Catholics. And so, uh, but then when I told them, they were like, well, why didn't you tell us? And I was like, well, I don't know. I just, you know, didn't want to tell you, you know, but, but, but then as we've, uh, you know, fast forward a year or so after that, my mom has fibromyalgia and uh, 15 years ago or so she was, Di- or she was prescribed opioids just as a mm. painkiller and she didn't know any better. She was just doing her doctor told her to do take however many, you know, two times a day. Well, she got addicted. Yeah. And we had to intervene and, and get her off it. And so, but that doesn't make the pain go away. So guess what? She started using, uh, THC and CBD and she takes, I bring her edibles and, you know, quote unquote, break the law coming from a legalized state and bring it to Dallas. And, um, she is living pain-free. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, uh, she didn't, and she just heard something about it might be, you know, effective. And I was like, let's try it. And actually, and then she actually asked her doctor, doctor said, yeah, why don't you give it a shot? Yeah. It's amazing. The impact that it's had. It's, it's, it's really wonderful. What do you think is going to happen in Texas? I'm really curious because there are, there are a lot of people that are for it. Yeah, but there's a the way that, the way the legislature works in Texas is uh, the lieutenant governor is the, the head of the Senate, and he decides what comes before the Senate. No one else. He's the, he's the most powerful person in Texas, but more so than the governor. So he has no interest in cannabis whatsoever. He panders to the far right. Uh, he, the house would pass wide ranging cannabis legislation, um, even with Republican domination, but they're just not as far right as, as Dan Patrick is in the Senate. So as long as he's Lieutenant governor, I don't see anything happening short of, you know, they just, they just, the house just passed a decriminalization bill. I don't know if that'll happen. I think that may have a chance at passing in the Senate, but certainly the expansion of the THC-based program isn't going to move much. Right now it's, you know, I think 1% THC it's got, uh, and it's for, you know, a small sliver of, of patients. They did add spasticity to it, so you can actually put pain in there. But 1%, 1% THC isn't going to cut no. the mustard here. So No, it's not. I- when it does pass, I'll be really interested to see what the model is because for me, it's like I think about Texas and it's like, you know, don't mess with Texas. You guys do your own thing. You walk to the beat of your own drum. And right. I'm just like fascinated to see. Like I, I got into cannabis because in my late 30s I had cancer. But my mom was actually living in Denton 
And oh, is that right? Okay. She was, yeah, she was doing cancer research at Baylor. Oh, wow. Okay. In Dallas. So I used to head over there and I got like a little taste of the Tex-Mex and the culture go. and it was there very cool. Yeah. But I was like, hmm, wonder how, how that, that's going to be. But it, it's unfortunate because like I was mentioning before, I had, you know, the former head of the RNC the other year on and he was saying that if more Republicans actually admitted, he's like, let me tell you, my colleagues like cannabis, whether they admit it or not, yeah. if they would actually come clean, we would be having many more, we'd have much more bipartisan work together. Yeah, I, I think there's, look, this country has become so polarized because of, you know, the polar opposites that exist to the far left and the far right. Yeah. And so unfortunately, the far right is, you know, the religious right. And for whatever reason, they're just going to be against cannabis period, full stop in a discussion. And I don't know how you convince them otherwise. So, but they're, they're a big part of the Republican platform right now, which is, you know, that's not the Republican party that I ever knew. No, me neither. Me and neither. So, and then again, the far left isn't the democratic party that I've ever known. No, it's all changed so it's much. Just, it's, it's so there's just, if we could all just come back to the middle, this place would be such an amazing place to live. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm always down for a good political yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like the, it's so funny. I can remember a teacher telling me, like, in, or telling the class, like in fifth grade, that she'd be happy to discuss politics over dinner and wine, but not uh, nothing else otherwise. Yeah. And so we're like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to have a, something to yeah, offset that. That's yeah. for sure. And I, I really hope that that the powers that be start to work together. Maybe it's a pipe dream, but... Feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. It's a weird time. Mm -hmm. I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk sure. with me today. And I, the work you're doing is fascinating. And I'm, well, I'm really excited it. to see what the future looks like. If people want to follow you and see what your company's yeah, doing, how should I'm they do on, that? Uh, LinkedIn is probably the most active that we do social stuff. Um, but you can go to our website, uh, eecpartners.com or entourageeffectcapital.com uh, but it's uh, yeah interesting times yeah Matt thanks so much thank you take care take care and everyone remember Planted is twice a month and if you like listening please give us a review share it with a friend let us know what your favorite episodes are and if you'd like to stay in touch over social media we are Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook and Planted with Sarah on Instagram and Twitter you can also go to our website www.plantedwithsarah.com or listen to us on our parent network Radio Misfits Network where there are other great podcasts like one of my favorites the Winemakers Podcast so check it out you can listen to Planted wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, whether that's Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, Stitcher, tune in. We are there. So join us. And until next time, stay curious, stay safe. And remember, it's a wild world out there. Be good to one another. Until next time, take care.